Hello and welcome to the Church in Action program where we talk with New England leaders about the imperative to make disciples, do justice, and foster unity to share Jesus and transform New England. This week I'm talking with Charles Galda about research our team at Vision New England has done on our effectiveness as a church family in making disciples, along with what we believe God is calling us to grow in based on feedback from faith leaders here in New England. We hope you enjoy part two. And we'll cover that more about that, but it, but but that body works by habit. It has to. Right. right. Otherwise, I couldn't talk to you and sit up straight. Right. Your body gets used to just doing things. Right. We all have the experience where we're driving home and suddenly like half the half the trip is gone and I'm not aware of it. Like, how did I do that? And it's by habit. Right. Right. Why do policemen, uh, police women, soldiers, military people, uh, athletes, why do they practice over and over and over and over again? Because their body just has to react when they need it to. Mm. Um, the, uh, when you think about a master musician, right? Somebody's a really good musician practices till they can get it right. Mm. The difference between that and a master musician is a master musician practices till they can't do it wrong. Mm. It's just habit. And I think this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew, uh, six, one, he says, be careful when you practice your righteousness in front of men. And then he talks about spiritual discipline. So practicing righteousness involves the spiritual disciplines. He talks about giving, he talks about fasting, he talks about praying. And when he says, be careful not to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What is he getting at there? I don't think he's just, I don't think he's just using flowery language. I think what he's saying is there's only one way for my left hand not to know what my right hand is doing. And that's if my brain doesn't know what, I'm, what it's doing. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as my brain knows what it's doing, every, every part of me knows. But if giving is so natural to me that it's a habit that I don't even think about it and I just see someone and I give, that's what he's saying. It should be so habitual in your doing of good, in, this, in that case, giving, it should be so habitual there's not even a thought about it. And so fasting is one, and you can hear all the different ways fasting can be part of what, what's needed for us. Solitude is another one, and I couple solitude and silence together because they tend to couple together. Mm -hmm. We rarely, if ever, have silence. And all of the noise we have, and we're all guilty of, well, it's just background noise on the TV. It's just background noise on the music. It's just background. We're, we're almost never in, in real silence because even our buildings make noise. Mm -hmm. So there's always distraction and distraction stops us from thinking. And we need to think and ponder what Jesus said, which also gets to meditation, which is another spiritual discipline. So very different from Eastern meditation, which tries to empty your mind. Right. Christian meditation is trying to fill it with the things of God. And so picking verses and memorizing them and meditating them are the things that suddenly you go. And I was using the verse from Matthew 6, 3, where um, or Matthew 6, 1, about uh, don't practice your righteousness to be noticed by others. Suddenly one day in my memorization, memorization verse, which I've never been able to do, so everybody's saying I can't memorize, you're wrong, because we all can. One pastor said, how many thousands of songs do you know? Mm -hmm. But all I do is I just keep going over them. I'm not trying to get perfect at them, although now some of them I have perfect. I mm -hmm. just want to keep going over these key verses every day. Right, it's the habit. And, and suddenly you pick up 1 John 3, 7, it says the one who practices righteousness, righteousness will be righteous. Mm. So what does it mean to practice righteousness in 1 John 3, 7? Well, Jesus uses those exact same words back in Matthew 6, 1, saying, be careful when you practice righteousness. He talks about spiritual disciplines. I think what 1 John 3, 7 is actually saying is, if you do the disciplines, you will be righteous. 
right? You will have different actions. And mm -hmm. so you got silence, solitude, meditation, all of which we saw Jesus doing. I would argue we saw Jesus memorizing scripture because he quotes it so much. Um, submission is, is a spiritual discipline that trains my body and frees me from needing to have things my way. Mm. I don't think we think of submission that way. I don't think many people do. No, I don't think submission and freedom are typically two words that pop into one's head at the same time. <laughs> but it is. I don't, I don't have to write that. I don't have to yell at you at the church meeting, Jess, because you want a blue carpet. And we all know that the only cop carpet that magnifies the glory of God is red. And what is wrong with, right? Right. Yeah, Silly stuff that we, we, we split over sometimes. But it's like, okay, well, I like, I like red carpets, but what do I care? Mm. I can practice the discipline of letting you have your way. Um, simplicity, just keeping it. There's just like noise is, is a distraction to us. The complexity of our lives mm. is, is, is a, a distraction from being able to focus and spend time thinking about the things of God. Frugality, right? How do we use what God has given us mm. uh, and, and keeping our finances simple? Um, serving other people, right? That gets that Matthew 6, 1 of uh, Matthew 6, 3, don't let your right hand know. Just, it's just a natural thing that I would serve you and care for you. Um, and of course, worship is the one spiritual discipline that uses every part of us, our body, our soul, our mind combined. Each, each, the other, each of the others uses different parts. Mm -hmm. That one is using all of it uh, and confess your sins, confess to one another. Um, but, but others of us may have other spiritual disciplines we need that aren't listed here. And some of us may not need all of these. Um, my guess is most of us need most of them. And so a uh, Dallas Willard, I, I was saying this for a while, I'm practicing the discipline, the spiritual discipline of not having the last word. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think you'll find that one in scripture, but actually <laughs> scripture has a lot to say about being silent. We're not used to it. And we use our words for reasons. A lot of times it's to promote ourselves or get what we want. Right. And in fact, Proverbs says a lot about being silent. Mm -hmm. And so those disciplines are used, are transforming our hearts, but they're also breaking the habits of our bodies and filling them with new habits and breaking our thought lives by filling it with all kinds of new things. I find now that I'm working on scripture memorization that those verses come to mind as opposed to other things coming to mind. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when, G when God says meditate on the word day and night, it actually, there's actually a reason. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> crazy. Maybe, maybe. So, yeah, it's, it's fine. So I think you've already touched on this a good amount just in going through that list of just most of the disciplines. Um, but how does God use those practices to transform our hearts and to make us true disciples of his? Great question. This is, there's so many things that we've all had the experience where you read scripture and, and suddenly you realize, how did I miss that before? Right. And that's the Holy Spirit revealing it to you, right? And, and this, this is absolutely one of those for me, right? Think about Exodus 34. Moses goes into the tent of meeting and he's coming out each day and he's glowing. He's mm. visibly transformed because he's been in the presence of God. And that's what the disciplines are doing. They're bringing us into God's presence. Mm. And the, we, we run into obstacles and we go, oh, it's hard. Oh, it didn't. That's the meaning of you need to do it more than not. You need to do it less. It's like the baseball player who doesn't hit well. And he says to the coach, you know, yeah, I'm not really a good hitter. And the coach says, oh, okay, then let's stop doing that one. Let's work on catching better. No, it's like, no, you need, that's the one you need then, right? Do the things right. you're bad at. Exactly. But in Exodus 34, so Moses is entering into 
the tent of meeting and is coming out visibly transformed. Paul and the disciplines then are bringing us into God's presence. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but now we all with unveiled faces, he's talking about Moses, where unveiled faces are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit, right? We're entering into God's presence in those disciplines. And God uses them to transform our hearts, just like he visibly transformed uh, uh, Moses, which is why Paul writes in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the renewing of your mind is what's going on in those disciplines. Mm. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? We see what Christ said and we're like, okay, try and do those. We're missing all those things he did and saying, mm. well, I need to imitate that too. Right. And this goes back to this whole point about why Jesus says, be careful when you practice righteousness. He doesn't say be careful if you practice righteousness. Mm -hmm. So he assumes we're going to do it. And he lists three that would, would be the three most prominent ones in their culture at that time, prayer, giving and fasting. Mm -hmm. um, but he, does, he never limits it to that. We see the disciplines he's doing that are much, much broader. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. I get where you're coming from when you talk about disciplines transforming our hearts, but you've said a couple of times that they retrain our bodies. And I think for most evangelical Christians, at least in the Northeast, um, physicality and spirituality don't necessarily mesh well, or at least maybe they're starting to. I know a lot of people are talking more about um, self-care in the context of like how our physical health can affect our spiritual health. But other than that, I don't really hear us talking a lot about retraining our bodies necessarily. So what exactly do you mean by that phrase, retraining our bodies? You used it once or twice. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that because it's important that we, again, we're dealing with the different parts of us. Mm -hmm. Our will is different than our heart and our mind, uh, is different than our soul. Uh, and so all we've got all these different parts. The soul integrates all of them. Mm -hmm. But the will is the decision maker, but the will can't control anything beyond making the decision. Um, but the body controls a lot um, because it works by habit, because it's been trained for some of us for a long time in the, sin, in the sinful way of the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when, Jess, when you say uh, Biden or Trump, right? Uh, I blow up at you and I yell, even though my heart loves you and doesn't want to. Why? Because my body has been trained to react mm -hmm. that way. My body has been trained to, in, in meetings, promote myself more because I know that's good for my career and stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? So our body reacts a certain way. Our body hits, our body gets angry, our body yells, our body gets frustrated, right? And it reacts a certain way to those things because it's been trained a certain way. Right. Yeah. And we've got to break that habit and teach our bodies a new habit. Um, you know, so again, we, we talk about something like meditating on scripture, right? I'm practicing silence then, and, but I'm also filling my head, heart, right? The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to separate, the, right? Uh, the, uh, so that it can trans, it transforms us. Uh, and that's the hard part, mm -hmm. but I'm also practicing silence. So now my heart is transformed that I actually do love you. But my body has been trained to be quiet so that even when you say Trump or Biden, I can sit quietly. That's okay. Right. 
right? Because my body is used to being silent, mm -hmm. right? And so that's when you think about is, is that the different discrete parts of who we are need to all be addressed. Mm -hmm. And that habitual part of the body, this is what Paul is talking about in Romans 7, 17, right? It's no longer me doing it. It's sin is still in me. There's some mystery there that I don't fully understand beyond habit. Um, but it's still sin which dwells in me is what's sinning. And I right. think he's talking about because my body still does this stuff for some reason. And at least part of it is muscle memory, habit, whatever we want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, but this is what Jesus is telling us to break when he talks in Matthew 6 about the spiritual disciplines. And in, in that conversation, saying, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I think he's saying you need to retrain your body so that your habits are different. Right. Right. Character, Jesus cares about our character, our heart, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Character is how we act without thinking. So we think, Jess, when you cut me off in traffic and I yell at you and make a big commotion, uh, and you need to stop cutting me off in traffic. Jess. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I specifically drive up to New Hampshire just to <laughs> traffic. <laughs> but we, we think when that happens, many of us at least, many of us think, shoot, I blew it. Right. I need to try harder. I think the biblical answer is actually, no, 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 no. You just were who you are. That's right. Because Jesus talks so many times about it's what comes out of the heart. All of these things, mm -hmm. all the evil that we do, all the hurt that we do, it comes out of our hearts. And when I blew up in traffic with you, I wasn't failing to control myself. Although when there's a sense in which I was, I was just letting you know who I am. So you see all these people, celebrities love to say this, you know, they do something, they have to apologize now. And they say, that's not who I am. I think the biblical answer is, no, that's exactly who you exactly. are. You, you just control it better at other times than you did then. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what, right. That's true of all of us. But our, our goal is there's certainly an aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit includes um, uh, self-control. Right. But that's not all we're supposed to rely on. We're supposed to have a transformed heart so that mm -hmm. it's natural for me to treat you, to actually treat you with love as opposed to just say, I love you. Right. Yeah. I'm really glad that you've talked more about what you meant by that phrase, retraining our bodies, because I do think, and maybe this is just because of my own personal experiences growing up in the church, but I do see a lot of extremes in the way that we treat that concept of training our bodies and training our flesh to submit. There's either the extreme of like almost to the point of like, you're going to deprive your body of everything, like self-flagellation, like we saw back in, um, the, what was that, the bubonic plague era where people were like, that God would, exactly, yeah. God would answer their prayers more earnestly if they hurt themselves. Or you go to the other side of people in the church who just don't, who maybe have not yet seen the value of telling their body like, okay, I recognize that you're hungry, but we're going to take the morning to fast so that we can focus on meditating on God's scripture or what have you. Like there are just so many extremes in the church. So I'm glad that you talked through that. That's very helpful to see that. And I think a more scriptural light. Yeah. Um, so Satan loves to take things of God and take them to extremes. Yes, he does. Right? <laughs> and that's, we've that. seen that so much through our history and we're all guilty right. of it too, right? Yes. We play into it. Yes. We've all done it. I, fully agree. So as we press into that work of making sure that we understand the disciplines more clearly, how we can uh, put them into our practice in our own lives, uh, incorporate them into our church cultures, do you have any suggestions for further resources? I do. And we're going to be coming up with some of our own uh, this year. Um, and there's one that's new out that I don't want to forget to mention uh, called Practicing the Way. 
I think it's practicingtheway.org, Jess, help, help me out if that's wrong, but I think it's practicingtheway.org, which is John Mark Comer trying to help people engage in the spiritual disciplines and saying a lot of what I've been saying, probably a lot better than I would say it. And that's, that's for sure one. Um, the, uh, uh, certainly reading anything by Dallas Willard is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Now, um, uh, Dave Ripper is New England's authority on Dallas Willard, uh, and he would say the five key books are Hearing God, Spirit of the Disciplines, Jess will put this in the window on Facebook, yes, uh, the yeah. chat box, Divine Conspiracy, Renovation of the Heart, and Knowing Christ Today. Hmm. And the, now he's got other stuff. I'd say read anything by him. Dave said that's the core five that you need to read. I asked, but if you can only read one and he couldn't, he's like, nah, I can't pick my favorite kid. Mm -hmm. um, he, he, so he would say those. Now. Dallas Willard is not easy, so he can be hard sometimes. So if you find yourself getting stuck, I would say push on. Don't let yourself get bogged mm -hmm. down. That said, there's a ton of content on uh, YouTube of Dallas Willard uh, lecturing on stuff from these books, and I would absolutely encourage that stuff. And I think it's easier to listen to than it is to read. And I also think even doing those as audiobooks, some of them are available as audiobooks, I think they're easier to listen to as books than to read even. Mm -hmm. um, Richard Foster uh, wrote Celebration of Disciplines I mentioned earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. That is, you know, he's taking Dallas Willard's uh, writing and Dallas Willard said, yeah, go ahead, write, a, you know, take all that stuff, write a book about it. And that's what he was doing. Um, and so he captures a lot of this there. Um, Greg Ogden, uh, who's going to be a guest on The Church in Action, uh, has a book called Transforming Discipleship that works off of some of these same principles. Mm. Uh, we've also mentioned a bunch. Of, we've got some church in action episodes on disciple making. You can listen to, you're going to have a bunch more this year. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is going to be our focus. Um, I think every believer and certainly every pastor should have an answer to the question of what is your intentional plan to personally make disciples this year? I think we all need to have that. And right. I figured that out for myself. So I'm pointing the finger at me too. Um, what is my personal plan, my intentional plan to personally make disciples this year? And I think there's a follow on question we all need to be asking of how do you know your people are growing spiritually? Right. I don't know that we all have ready answers to that, but we need to accept in figuring that out. It is not a class. It is not a program. It's not a quick hit. And I would submit it is not. There's a sign up sheet in fellowship hall. Sign up and we'll take what we give you. Mm -hmm. When we look at disciple making ministries in the Bible and when we look at effective ones outside, there's some hallmarks of each one, and all of them involve prayerful selection of disciples, mm -hmm. intentionality, relationship, and commitment. Mm. If you listen to that Going Deep episode with Gordon McDonald, you'll hear that in it. If you listen to Justin Kendrick, Barry Ordinary episode, you'll hear it there. Yeah, uh, ser sermons are an integral part of disciple making, so I don't want to miss that mm -hmm. and suggest that it's not. It's absolutely integral but it's insufficient. In a sermon, I can take or leave what you say to me. When we sit down in person, I can't escape. Charles, the way you conduct yourself in these situations does not reflect love. Here's what you need to do about it. Are you willing to do that? That was the brilliance of the Wesley movement where they were holding people. Every week we got together and we talked about my spiritual place right now, what God is doing in my life. Every week we got together and we confessed my sins and we prayed for each mm -hmm. other. Right? There's an intimacy in that, but you see it in Jesus. He's preaching to the crowds, 
But then he selects disciples. And from that, he selects 12 who he does life with. And then he selects three or four who are part of the core inner group, right? Mm -hmm. Peter, Andrew, James, John. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's the same thing. Who's our Peter, Andrew, James, John that we're really doing life with and investing in. And then we need to be thinking about, well, there's a bigger group who we're actually teaching as disciples and investing in and, and helping them understand these things like the spiritual disciplines. Then there's, what are we doing the crowds? I would argue Jesus, there was something about Jesus's teaching in life that was attractive, that pe made people want to be disciples. And that's probably what we need to make sure is in our preaching too, mm. and our lives too. Right. All preachers, right. um, but it's small, it's relational, it's long-term, it's commitment. That's what Jesus did. That's what we see in effective disciple making ministries. Recognize some people will say no, and that's okay. Right. It may mean they're just not ready to, but people said no to Jesus. And I don't think I'm a better disciple maker than Jesus is. So I'm going <laughs> to get some no's too. Uh, no um, offense, but uh, probably not. <laughs> probably right? not a better disciple maker than. Right. And so <laughs> now as we think about our ministries, we're going to need to identify what needs to stop. Mm. Dallas Willard also says, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now there's a difference between busy and hurry. Busy is a lot to do. Hurry is I can't be present in what I'm doing because I've got so much going on. I'm constantly distracted from the things right. of God. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to eliminate hurry, but we've got to figure out how to do less. Ministry is not supposed to be breakneck speed burnout. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to relate dollars and time to making disciples. And that means something has to stop. Mm -hmm. and, and elders, deacons need to support their pastor in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for our listeners, if you do want to um, read into that a bit more, there is a book and a podcast called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by uh, one of Willard's um, students, essentially, that uh, Charles mentioned earlier, John Mark Comer. You can find that on Amazon or on uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, yep. So, Charles, we only have about two minutes left. Is there anything else that you feel our listeners should hear on this topic? Yeah, I, I, I would close out with a caution and maybe this goes a little bit to my Irish Catholic guilt, but I'm not <laughs> sure it does. Um, we need to take disciple making deadly seriously. I have a friend who likes to say, I wonder if Jesus's first question will be, how are you doing on my last command? And he, he said, make disciples. That is the mission he gave us. And it's not to the exclusion of everything else, but the primary mission is to make disciples. So we need to have a good answer to that before we deal with the everything else. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to figure that out. Matthew 7, 22, Jesus says, many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I never knew you. My concern is that we've conveyed to people a message that if you profess Jesus as Lord, the profession is enough. And I'm starting to think more and more that is very weak because there's so many verses that suggest it's more than that. It's not, there's a difference between what we profess to believe and what we believe. Mm -hmm. I act on what I believe. Exactly. Not what I profess yes. to believe. So I profess to believe I should love you, Jess. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but what I believe is I yell at you all the time. Right. So I don't believe I love you. Right. I act on what I believe. Yeah. I believe on myself, myself. I know I should be giving to others, but what do I, but do I give? No. Mm -hmm. right? right. Because I don't yeah. really believe that I've been, I conform well, I say the right things, but the reality is what I believe is what I do. Exactly. Which is what James is talking about for sure. Mm -hmm. So my concern is there are people we've conveyed a message that they think they're saved. They think they're secure. Uh, they think they're part of the kingdom. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. And some of us will be guilty as leaders in the church for having conveyed the wrong message, even if it was unintentional. 
Exactly. And he talks about, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far, far from me. Why do you say, Lord, Lord, and not do what I say, right? It's because it's not what we profess. It's what we believe. Faith without works is just talk, right? Dead. Mm -hmm. It's just talk. Mm -hmm. Paul says in Romans 2.13, it's not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers. So we want to say, hey, look, we are saved by grace through faith. I would add on as evidenced by our works. Mm -hmm. And I think some of us have good works and bad works. And that should concern us because then I, then I don't know if it's as clear I'm saved. Right. Which is why I think Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. If it's as clear as I professed the right things, why do I have to work out anything with fear and trembling? I'm all set. I have an arrangement with Jesus because I said this, he has to do this. Mm hmm and I don't think any of these other verses make sense if it was actually that simplistic. Right. I think it's more complicated. And I think that's why when Jesus tells the story of the parable, right, the first group in that parable of the scattering of the seeds mm -hmm. are clearly lost. Right. The last group are clearly saved. The middle two groups were not told. Mm. Right? The, the cares of life choked them up, right? All that stuff, the busyness. I think there's a part of that in life, the way it works is there are some people you're going to be able to look at and you know they're not saved. There's going to be some people you look at and you know they are saved. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of us in between who, We're just in I don't know, and you better throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and you better uh, trust in him and you better engage with him and be become the kind of person he's calling us to be. Mm -hmm. And that's through the spiritual disciplines. Well, Charles, thank you so much for taking some time with us to talk through the research that Vision New England conducted and what exactly that implies for spiritual disciplines and forming disciples here in the New England church. We really appreciate you and your faithful ministry here in New England. Thanks. I appreciate it. I love, I love being here. I love being part of Vision New England. And I'm grateful to you, Jess. Good. Thanks. Oh, of course. We'd also like to thank our team at Vision New England for making this research project possible. We also want to thank you, our listeners. We hope this dialogue helps us be the people of God who do the work of God in making disciples, doing justice, and fostering unity to share Jesus to transform our world. Visit visionnewengland.org for past episodes and resources and click donate to partner with us to accelerate evangelism here in New England. This program is brought to you by our friends at the Luis Palau Association, who are dedicated to proclaiming the good news, uniting the church, and impacting cities worldwide. God bless you and thank you for listening.